0: Please be aware that True Crime by the Book may discuss topics, share opinions, and use language that could be disturbing or offensive to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Tidings and salutations, bibliophages. Thank you for joining me on True Crime by the Book, where every other Tuesday, we meet up to talk real crime, one page at a time. Or something like that, because this week we are doing more than a movie, which is when I cover the documentaries, made for TV movies, regular biopics about a true crime. So it it stays kind of in the true crime family. I'm your host, Tasha Pierce. And if you'd like to help the podcast, please head over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, anywhere really, Podchaser, uh, Spotify, drop a review. And now you can you can review it episode by episode or you can review the entire show. I am up to now 13 ratings and reviews. I think it's something like 10 reviews and altogether I got 13 ratings and reviews. So thank you very much. For the ratings and reviews, and I still need you guys to kick in for me because that will uh, assist in moving the podcast up the ranks. Because people will actually be able to search it and find it right away. So please, 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 please—if you have an opportunity, that's all I want for Christmas is a few more reviews. (laughs) So, like I said, today is more than a movie because there's more than one type of crime and my main source of reference for today's episode was the 2020 episode growing up but it is revisiting the the crime that birthed the long island lolita and if you are unsure who the long island Lo- lolita is fear not i'm going to give you the whole background of this true crime so this crime takes us back to 1992, and on May 19th of that year, Mary Jo Buttafuco was a married mother of two. Just like more, most mornings, she got her children up and out for school. Now, what was different about today was she allowed her daughter, Jessie, and her son, Paul, to ride their bikes to school. And anyone who has ever been entrusted to ride their bike to school understands this is a pretty big deal. Now, of course, Mary Jo wasn't overly concerned because she and her husband, Joey, had taught the kids how to be safe while riding. And also, Massapequa, New York, where they lived, was like a safe, sleepy bedroom community. And there was rarely any crime there. Now, while she ushered the kids off, Paul was hesitant about leaving. He returned to the house and mom being mom is going to like she asked, the the questions, did you forget something? Do you have your lunch? Do you have your book bag? Do you have your pencils? So when Paul said that he hadn't forgotten anything, she said, well, toop, toop, toop. She sent him to catch up with the rest of the kids. So as she watched him ride off, she thought to herself, that was weird. Now, little did she know that this day would only get more strange for her. So now, Joey had gone to work and the children off to school. Mary Jo set about uh, getting her day of housework started. Now, this included painting a bench in the back of the house. So she put on her painting clothes and she got started. But she was shortly interrupted by the, de- the doorbell. So she looked through her home and she could see a teenaged girl standing on the steps. So she came to the door and she asked the young lady, you know, hey, can I help you? The girl asked if she was the Joey Buttafuoco's wife. Mary Jo says, yes. Why? Now, well, the young lady said, well, my name is Anne Marie and your husband is having an affair with my little sister. So Mary Jo was taken aback because this girl didn't look like she was any more than, say, 19 years old. So she's like, Mary Jo was like, how old is your sister? Then a young lady answered, 16 And then she said, I have proof. While I was making her bed, I found this. And then she presented Mary Jo with a t-shirt from the auto body shop that uh, Joey worked at. So Mary Jo looked at the shirt and asked, do you always make your sister's bed? Now this got the girl flustered. And Mary Jo eventually got around to asking her where she lived. Where do you live? The girl told her a street name, but then she pointed in the opposite direction. So now Mary Jo is feeling like she's wasting a whole lot of time. She's getting aggravated talking to this young lady for all this time when she could have been back here painting this bench. So she says, uh, you know, basically, all right, I got to go. So she dismissed the girl and then she turned to walk back into the house. It was at that moment that the young lady produced a gun. So she was like had a 25 automatic gun. And she shot Mary Jo in the face. So she left Mary Jo on the step and returned to a vehicle that was waiting for her. And then they sped off. Now, one of the benefits of living in a quiet community is that neighbors come to check when they hear anything that sounds out of the ordinary. It is just so unheard of where I live. People could be screaming, fighting, not where I live now, but where I'm from screaming fighting blah 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 you could actually hear gunshots and it's not about to make you get up and go and look to see what happened because now basically you're a witness (laughs) so yeah that's the difference between living in a small community that is kind of uh less less urban i guess we can say but anyway The neighbors heard that unordinary sound and they came to the aid of Mary Jo as she laid bleeding on her steps. So Joey was contacted at work and he flew home just in time to see Mary Jo being carted onto a helicopter to be airlifted to the hospital. Now locally, this was huge news because things like this rarely ever happened in Massapequa there were news out uh news crews outside the home of joy and Mar- mary jo Buttafuco, and this was a site that would become part of a new normal for their family so spoiler alert mary jo miraculously survived her injuries and after the doctors operated on her all night i'm thinking they said uh 7 hours of surgery she was left with paralysis on one side of her face. She had lost her hearing in one ear and she had a precariously located bullet lodged in her head, but she was still alive. She was also able to give details about what had happened to her in writing because she couldn't speak. She still had the tubes and all of that going down her throat, but she was able to write details about what happened to her including a description of the girl and that t-shirt. Now as fate would have it, the shirt was a new design and Joy remembered who he had given one, Amy Fisher, the 17-year-old daughter of Elliot and Rose Fisher who were customers of the auto shop. So Mary Jo was then shown a photo of Amy and she positively identified Amy as the shooter. So now after this was all disclosed to law enforcement, Joy was asked to call Amy and have her meet him somewhere. And when Amy showed up, she was taken into custody by the authorities. Now, of course, this made this already big story far more salacious. The whole nation was asking why this child would want to kill Mary Jo Buttafuoco. I was asking. Why would Amy Fisher risk meeting up with the man whose wife she just attempted to kill? So then we all collectively kind of remember or kind of wondered who is Amy Fisher? She's a crazy motherfucker. That's who. But I'm not saying she's crazy for any reason other than she carried out this attempt at murder and she had been planning this for months. But why Mary Jo? Now, most of you, I'm sure, already know the answer to that question. But for those of you who were not in the know, it was revealed that Joey Buttafuoco was engaged in a sexual relationship with Amy. So this grown-ass 35-year-old man was sleeping with a 16-year-old girl. On top of that, Amy claims that Joey knew that she had intended to get rid of his wife. So now with those revelations, this case became tabloid fodder. This impressionable young girl was taken advantage of by this dirty old man. Or was she? Or was she? So let me tell you, growing up in the 90s was something else. Like the societal rules were far more blurred than they are today. And I think that it's our responsibility to call out bad behavior to improve our relationships with one another. Now I'm saying this because I have regular arguments with a friend of mine on this point all the time. I graduated from high school in 1991. When I was in school, it wasn't unusual for students and teachers to be romantically involved. Now, I never had an inappropriate relationship, but I was propositioned. And then looking back with hindsight, I talked to my friend about how garbage it was that these teachers abused the trust and took advantage of young girls. Now, she argued that she had been involved with a teacher and that she had been the one to pursue the relationship. And you know what? It's normal for young people to develop a crush on some adults. The thing that bothers me is that these adults don't show the restraint to avoid acting on those urges. See, I feel some type of way about all of this because I'm an adult now and a mother. There were a lot of things that were just a part of life when I grew up that I completely disagree with now. And, and I'm wondering, am I by myself in this? It's is it almost accepted accepted belief the kids are going to have crushes on their teacher. Should it be expected that the teacher has some decorum about themselves and says, you know what, I'm not about to act on this with the student, or is it because these girls are so quote unquote fast? that these, these I, I can't just say girls, these young people are so quote unquote fast that these adults can't say no. So that's a question you, you know, shoot me, shoot me uh, your thoughts at tcbytb at gmail.com. Do that for me because I want to know, am I by myself? Do I think even if you as a young person threw it out there isn't the the onus of responsibility on the adult so talk to me let me know what you guys think now that being said amy was sexually experienced and by that i mean she had had multiple sex partners and would it would even be revealed that she had worked as an escort so she would go to the body shop a little too often and flirt with joey we can agree with that but i submit that he knew he was old he knew he was married and he knew he was at work he was all the way wrong for messing around with that child and any other old pervert that was sleeping with her too they were out of order um, her, be- her behavior indicated that she had issues and her issues included being molested by a family member and being raped by a different individual and all of this at a very young age she had been reduced to a sexual object and that ladies and gentlemen can lead to promiscuity I won't I, I mean it you know I know it sounds crazy to say joey took advantage of that because she may have been flirting with him so but he knew he knew that he's gonna whoop people's ass with experience he can beat her with experience and what he did was carried on a, an ongoing relationship with this young girl and uh starting with having sex with her in her child childhood Bedroom while her parents weren't there. So he he kind of knew that he was opening a can of worms. Now he and Mary Jo had been a couple since they were in the ninth grade. They got married in 1977. That was like just a couple years after I was born. So they had been together. He, he and Mary Jo had been together for years at this point, years. And this is how you repaid this lady who gave you uh, the best years of her life. He said uh, in this documentary that he was kind of from the wrong side of the tracks, kind of, you know, I'm going to say, I guess he was less refined than Mary Jo here. he And she was so beautiful he had this gorgeous young lady strong catholic family so they said hey if you guys are going to be engaging in sex you need to get married and that's what they did and in 1977 they got married and by 1980 i think 1980 they had one child in 1983 they had another one so life was going in the correct direction for this family and Believe it or not, Mary Jo, she felt like Joey was her third kid, but she adored him. And she felt the same way. She felt like that man adored her. He had one face that he showed in front of her and the family and a whole different side of him somewhere else. And that's going to come back to haunt him. Not that it's not coming back to haunt him right now, because now you've got your affair being exposed to the world and guess what one of the few people in the entire world who had his back was mary Jo. she believed him when he said he was not involved with amy fisher amy fisher is uh basically spilling her guts about about these plots And I say plots with an S because there was more than one attempt on Mary Jo's life. Joey continued to mislead his wife for years. This happened in 1992. I think they ended up getting divorced in either 2002, 2003. So she stuck by his side for a very long time in the face of what they were going through, which was a constant media circus the media gave zero fucks about the fact that this woman was inside this home recuperating from being shot in the face that i can't even imagine i i had a different whole different i had a voluntary surgery <laughs> and let me tell you i wouldn't have been able to take The noise level, constant phone calls, constant people knocking on the door. That's me recuperating from a surgery that I said, yes, I want to have this surgery. This lady, all she wanted to do on May 19th, 1992, was paint this bench. That's all she had in mind. She did not ask for this girl to come to her home. She did not ask to be shot in the face. She did not ask for her husband to humiliate them over a number of years. She didn't ask for any of that. And the attention was not on her. The attention was on her husband. So now you've got this flipping circus and they are not even paying attention to the victim. And that's one of the things that Mary Jo... Uh, spoke out spoke out about in this documentary in this episode of 2020 is that she was the one who was the victim but instead of the focus being on her and her recovery which would have been the humane thing to do uh, the media acted like rabbit dogs and attacked this other angle of the story and the American people fed into it. So really, we need to do better. And I know I'm doing a true crime podcast where I talk about uh, crimes and some of the most dark moments of a person's life. And li- looking at this, especially once it got to Jesse Buttafuco telling uh, how this all affected her growing up, Buttafuku, how this affected her. When we got to the part where Jesse was was telling her story, I realized that I have a responsibility to be uh to to stay true to the story to not try to sensationalize things to not sit here and make it like we're glorifying the killer. There are real people with real lives who are affected every day by quote unquote, true crime. And, uh, I stay away from unsolved cases because I've, I told you guys in, from the beginning that, um, too many opinions in an unsolved case can kind of taint, taint a jury pool at the absolute least, but it could also ruin somebody's life. Because if I think that, uh, Mr. X did it, and it turns out that Mr. X has already been cleared. We're putting Mr. X's name right back out there so people can restart the harassment campaign because us as armchair investigators are not content to just talk about these situations to one another. We we have to put it in front of a lot of people. We have to uh, get on forums and... uh harass people at times. Not saying, you know, a lot of us have the common sense to know that anything that we've thought of, I'm pretty sure that's the law enforcement thought of it too. And this is not for me to say that law enforcement always does what's expected of them. I know sometimes they suck too. What I am saying though, is what part of that can we control? And what we can control is how we speak of the victims, how we speak of these perpetrators and how we as uh, show responsibility for what comes out of our mouth when we are talking about a true crime you just know don't add anything to the story to make it worse these stories are are pretty bad by themselves and i know I'm gotten, i've gotten off on a tangent i'm sorry but these are things that I had been thinking about after watching this documentary because, okay, we've already covered that she says uh, that Amy Fisher says that Joey knew she was going to do this. The, the authorities were never able to connect that. They were never able to make that stick. Even though there are a slew of people uh, that she had enlisted or attempted to enlist, to help her with this murder. Now it ended up being that uh guy now's last name was Guajenti. He's unimportant because he's a piece of shit. Guagenti, whatever his first name was, he went, got a gun for Amy, took her to Mary Jo's house. They uh, actually, before they even went to Mary Jo's house, they changed the license plate on the car. So they know they're going to do something illegal. He knows he's giving her a gun. And he tried to act as if he had no clue what she was going to do. You changed the license plate on your car. You gave this young lady a gun. Then you gave her a ride to somebody's house. What the hell did you think was going to happen? What did you think she was going to do? Sell Girl Scout cookies? Well, no, she wasn't selling Girl Scout cookies. So you're part of this bullshit too. You were a accessory to an attempted murder. Are you fucking crazy? So yeah, so he, you know, takes her. So he's a dummy for doing that. And there was this guy, Steven Sleeman. She was trying to get him to do it. In fact, he had gone to do it. In fact, I believe it was the day before Thanksgiving of 1991. So the day before Thanksgiving of 1991, somebody shot through the window of Mary Jo's home with her family. They thought it was just an accident, something, you know, something kooky just happened and this bullet came through the window. Of course, they did uh, call the police, but there was no reason to think that this was anything but an accident when in fact it was one of the attempts on Mary Jo's life. Another attempt came, yeah, oh, no, we're not over with attempts on Mary Jo's life. Another attempt came when Amy went up to her house, went up to the Butterfucko's home, knocked on the door, and said she was selling candy. And she she had the last two candy bars to sell. Can you please buy these from me, ma'am? And... Mary Jo kind of asked what was the cause. The young lady told her what the cause was and then she went in the house, got a dollar, gave it to the girl and she bought, you know, the candy. This was an attempt at Mary Jo's life as well because as it turned out, in the bushes near Mary Jo's home, a gunman was hiding. Amy had brought this guy to the house to shoot her while she was on the porch and he couldn't do it. He couldn't get a good angle or something stupid like that. He just, so now we're up to three known attempts on Mary Jo's life. That's insane. All she's doing is going about her regular life, her regular business of uh, cleaning and being a wife and a mother. And this Is three times that they attempted to kill her and the thing uh, about Amy Fisher is that's why I say the bitch has got to be crazy and the reason why is you you know you might make that mistake once at 16 years old you don't keep making that mistake you don't keep going to somebody's house in an attempt to get them killed until the point you just say fuck it I'll do it myself and you still didn't do it right And I'm glad you didn't. So this is where I caught when I say she's stupid. And it's, it's very easy to say, well, you know, she was a victim in this too. No, she was the perpetrator. She was a victim of an entirely different crime. That statutory rape and all of the things that happened prior to her taking a shot at Mary Jo. No, there's not a room. There's not enough room for Amy Fisher to be a victim as well. She was victimized, but the crime was completely different. Amy had a lot of time to say, this is not right what I'm trying to do. She doesn't even know this woman, had never met this woman and tried to kill her three times. So the only other victims, the people who I feel sorry for, I was, and I ain't going to say sorry for empathy for uh, outside of Mary Jo, because obviously Mary Jo suffered quite a bit. She's a young woman and I say young, she was in her forties, but at the end of the day, she was not over the hill and she's a very pretty lady and she's been disfigured. She's living with paralysis. She's living with hearing loss. She's living with being uh unable to be the same mama she was before all this shit happened. So I do feel, you know, for, for, uh, I feel for her 100%. I also felt for her children because again, life changed for them as well. And Jesse the the daughter, she made a point. In the episode where she was uh, talking about Butafuco and the name meant fire thrower and she said that like she was proud of it and then she said you know in, until May 19th 1992 and then it became synonymous with a joke and the punchline of every bad joke was something about Joy Butafuco, Butafuco. so um, their name Their name was tainted anywhere you go. You got a name like Butafuco. Anywhere you go, they know that you have got to be related (laughs) to those Butafucos. You know, they could, these kids couldn't get away from it. Also, they were in the middle of something that is, is adult in nature And, and you can't avoid seeing or hearing about it. Their parents whole relationship was basically aired out for the public to see and the light that they're shining on their father wasn't a very good one and she was very close with her father jesse was and you know i'm talking mostly about jesse because paul wanted nothing to do with any of that uh that documentary You know, we saw pictures of him as a young boy. There was nothing from him being an adult. He has kind of separated himself from the name Butterfuco. He took Mary Jo's uh, maiden name. So he's already, he's pretty much at this point in his life, he's washed his hands of this. But see, and that is a coping mechanism. That is a way to deal with this fucked up hand that was dealt to you all because of the dilly-dallying of your dad. And you got your mom, you know, you guys are having to constantly defend your father and your mom is even defending your father. And then the minute he's out of her sight, he's arrested for soliciting a prostitute in another town. So now, how embarrassing is that? Wouldn't you, if you had already nearly caused the, the death of this woman who was your wife and the mother of your children and your friend since ninth grade. If you were to cause in any way for her to suffer, wouldn't you decide at that point, this is when I'm going to walk on the straight and narrow. I don't have to do this shit. I got this woman who loves me. She stood behind me through all this thick and thin. No, the minute you get out of sight, you're soliciting a fucking prostitute. How embarrassing is that? But Foucault comes back in the news and just foolishness. He ended up going to jail for the statutory rape charge and for, uh, I think the solicitation thing, he ended up going back to serve out the rest of his sentence because, the man, he's caught doing something else against the law. Um, Amy Fisher ended up pleading guilty and testi- testifying against Joey. So that was 15 years in prison that she was going to get in exchange for her testimony against Joey. Now that uh, Paul Guajenti guy, he spent 6 months in prison for giving amy the gun and uh, like we said the da charged joey with the uh, statutory rape and he served 6 months in prison after 7 years amy was t- was sent home from prison and uh she ended up marrying uh forgot the goddamn man's name she she ended up marrying a man that, and uh he was even an older Guy, he was like twenty something years older than her, and was the father of her children. And uh like I said, Joey did the dum dumb and he ended up back in prison. And, and And Mary Jo knew at this point that she needed to get out, and so she did. She ended up uh, divorcing Joey Butterfucco in two thousand two also because 15 minutes of fame is not enough for some people and even though this is not even fame this is not famous you know it's infamous you're infamous you're not famous famous people usually get their fame from doing something good you know and and uh, not always but i digress <laughs> okay 15 minutes of fame we want we we want um to to stretch that out to 30 minutes so you got joey amy and mary joe she reluctantly agrees to go on talk show uh and for the three of them to be in the same place at the same time for the first time and um they did this and this is basically joey's Kind of insistence that they do it but they did this and this was just like it was not good for Mary Jo and Mary Jo is a better woman than I am because the simple fact that she's sitting on a stage with two people who wanted to have you killed just to have the strength to sit there and even if even With speaking your mind, even with speaking your mind and saying your piece, I don't think I would have been able to do that. And of course, you never know what you'd be able to do until you're put in that situation. But Mary Jo showed just she is so much stronger than I would have been in that situation. Man, okay, just in case that's not enough. Joey and Amy decide they want a little bit more fame. What do they do? They're trying to get a reality TV show. And in so trying, they are making sure to gallivant in front of every camera that you can possibly get in front of. uh, Like they've renewed this love affair that they had. I don't understand why they thought it was a good idea. This man who arguably had this young lady all these years ago try to kill his wife. I wouldn't even be able to pretend to be in a relationship with this man. Number one, he should have sense enough to know that this is not even a good look. You're still, at that point, he's still married to Mary Jo. Also, at this point, your children are at least seven years older than they were when this this stuff happened. Your Your kids now understand what's going on. It's a complete and utter and total embarrassment. I guess that's what I'm really trying to say. It's an embarrassment. Why would you Why would you put your family through that for some money, for some not even big money, like small money? It's really not that much. And I'm, I've talked and talked and talked and talked, and I'm running out of time. One of the things that I was saying uh, about Jesse Buttafuoco, is how she wants to restore the name and she's doing things in the community and she's moved back home with her mom um her mom is doing so much as far as uh with the paralysis and stuff of her face she's doing so much better after an appearance on the oprah winfrey show where she talked about her issues and a doctor a plastic surgeon and neurosurgeon who happened to either be watching or was told about it by his wife and his, he contacted uh, Mary Jo Butterful and told her, I definitely can help you. And he did, he gave her face a little more symmetry. Um, She's not, she, she had an issue where she would drool when she speaks off of one side, because that face that all of those uh, muscles were damaged in that side of her face and she was able to get some symmetry back to her smile and to also fix some of the damage you know that uh that actually could be fixed the bullet is still in her head she still is deaf in that ear they were re- able to restore a little bit of her hearing but she's still deaf in that ear and she is she still has some facial paralysis but There was a saying that I hear all the time and that's, God, I'm so glad we don't look like what we've been through because this lady, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know that, that she had came that close to death, that somebody actually tried to take her life on more than one occasion. So, um, and yes, you know, damaged relationships. Uh, Joey is getting his life together. I believe he's got a life coach at this time. Mary Jo has written a couple of books and Jesse Buttafuco is a dance teacher at a, like a community dance center. So she's giving back to the community in that way. And I don't think I have anything on Paul. Now, Mary Jo Buttafuco did remarry. I believe it was 2008. Her husband died just a couple years back from after a battle of cancer. So her new husband passed away. So to me, this story as crazy and as many twists and turns and different angles to look at this, especially from the child's angle of how they became normal adults with that circus background. Um, At the end of it all, I think Mary Jo Buttafuoco exudes strength exudes div- dignity because she she forgave and washed her hands of it she wasn't giving amy fisher and joey buttafuoco any more of her in en- energy and once she got past her love for joey and started to see him for what and who he really was a lot of people say oh these are the later chapters of our life she had probably arguably one of the best chapters of her life As soon as she ditched Joey, I'm not saying that the whole marriage was a mistake or I'm not saying any of that because she got some wonderful children out of it for years. Even if he was out dilly dallying, it never came back to the home. So she had no reason to lose faith in her husband. She to her had an ideal life. Even if he was a fuck up, she had an ideal situation and she Stood by him and and weathered a lot of storms with him, and now you know she moved on and she had a, a as far as we can tell from the outside looking in, a regular relationship with her second husband, and she's got a uh, a beautiful relationship with her children, and she has found, refound herself. So those are things that you know money can't buy. You got the beautiful family you had a second shot at love and you learned to love yourself trust your gut she learned all of those things from dealing with the jerk of of Joey Watafuko and and even, even Amy Fisher because she ended up marrying and having children uh she has returned to life as a sex worker in in some some sense She does the webcam kind of sex work. And you know what? If that is what makes and keeps you happy, knock yourself out. Do whatever you must do to be happy. I will say that Amy probably looks like she's the same age as Mary Jo. It's like she has lived a hard life outside of the sex work. If you do sex work for a living or if you uh, know or love somebody who does... I'm not putting down the actual work. I'm saying sometimes the lifestyle that goes along with that work ages you. And she does. She looks far older than Mary Jo Buttafuoco. So that might be be her penance for, for what she did. She has gone on record saying that she thinks that Mary Jo is a nice person. She didn't know her when all of this happens, but she likes her as a person, what she knows about her now she likes. So maybe, maybe she learned a lesson. Obviously she learned some type of lesson. She didn't go back for killing somebody else, (laughs) but what she, you know, what she's doing and what she has done is uh, she's gotten herself pigeonholed as this type of person. And that, that is following her throughout her life and I think she probably needs uh, counseling to deal with these underlying issues and I'm pretty sure they had to give her some type of counseling in prison but I think counseling should be ongoing for that and this is my unprofessional opinion this is my unprofessional opinion I am not a mental health specialist or anything like that I am an advocate because I do have mental health problems as well but uh it's only a problem if you're not getting any help for it and I am getting help for my situations and I honestly believe that Amy would benefit from 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 further counseling as well and it's never too late to get a firm hold on your life now with all that being said I told you guys that I've got this Patreon right so I think Patreon is going to be mostly stories like this. So instead, I know I said it before, instead of me incorporating it into my regular uh, true crime by the book episodes, I'll do more than a movie as the bonus episode. So there will be different documentaries. I think I'm going to start with the Netflix uh, documentaries. I'm pretty sure you can guess which ones, but yes. So if you decide to become a patron and you do so at the $5 level end up, you will gain access to all of my more than a movie, uh, episodes. If you would like to give to the podcast on a smaller scale, we do have a $2 tier on Patreon and that $2 a month will, uh, get you a shout out on the show. You'll be the first people to see also on the Patreon feed, uh, what's going on if anything in my life <laughs> now if you would like to do one-time donations you can do that paypal.me slash the snap so if you want to paypal me you can do so if you would like to just one-time donate there's a million ways to do so and i'll leave a lot of links and whatnot in the show notes ratings and reviews i would truly appreciate them I am off track right now because I had my cable problem. I don't know how many people follow me on social media. I had an issue with my my internet, my home internet, and I got behind on episodes and all of that. Um, Hopefully, fingers crossed, those things are resolved for the time being. So I'll be getting you content out as quickly as possible because I know I've been a, a little behind here lately. Outside of that, I've really got nothing else. So you can find me, TC by TB, on all the things. Patreon is patreon.com slash TC I also have a website, tcbytb.com. You can get me, like I say, all the things, tcbytb, tcbytb even at gmail.com. That's tcbytb at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you book suggestions, comments, criticisms. Tell me what you felt about that whole situation with the young men, older women, or young, uh, I'm sorry, young men, older women, or older men, younger women. You tell me what you think. Because the 90s, if you ask me, I love the 90s, but we did some garbage shit in the 90s. But anyway, join me. Join me next week. We will be discussing a book. And if you want to know what book, follow me on the social medias. Until then, I will catch you later. Bookworms.